I'm Nicole Rodler and I work for the Rochester Police Department as the Juvenile Division Coordinator for the department and the Certified Recovery Support Worker. And I am Amy Malone, a Ward 2 City Counselor and also the Supervisor at Waypoint Youth Resource Center right here in Rochester. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Rochester, Rochester Post, Post Podcast, Podcast with Matt, Matt Wyatt. Wyatt. How are you guys doing today? Good. 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 How are you? You look so proud of yourselves. Yes, we are very proud of ourselves. We got through that. Yeah, you got through it. It sounded good. Yes. Um, Amy, how are you doing today? Good. Nicole? Good. It's sunny out. It's a good day. Yeah, with the weather we've had recently, it's nice Mm -hmm. to have some sun. So I am excited to have you both on the show because we will be talking about opioid abatement. So Amy, tell our audience what that is if they're not sure, if they haven't heard that term recently. Yes. So the Opioid Abatement Committee is a ad hoc that uh, Mayor Callahan put together um, where three city councilors sit on it and we will be deciding how the city spends funding that's coming in um, from the state federal level um, on how to address what the opioid crisis has done right here in Rochester. Good. And Nicole, tell me a little bit about the history of this. How did we get to this point where we have these funds and we're looking to expend them on these types of issues? Absolutely. This was a a pressing issue in our community. Uh, Pretty much out of the gate, we were one of the first communities statewide as well as countrywide that saw the opiate crisis hitting. So we were trying desperately to figure out what to do, how fast we could do it with what little resources we had at the time. Um, So about 2014-15 is when we saw the spike in our calls for service as a police department kind of increasing through 2012 through 14, but then 14 and 15 were our key years where we unfortunately were deemed ground zero for the state. And that put us as well ground zero in the country because we were number one per capita in the country for our opiate overdoses. So it was a pretty pressing issue for our community. And as a police department, we were literally going call to call to call trying to figure out what to do. And we knew that arresting our way through it wasn't going to get us anywhere and it certainly wasn't going to save our community or our residents so we um ended up trying desperately with community partners to start to put some thought process into how best to do this as a community collaboratively Mm -hmm. and we just from there we have rose above it we are an example countrywide right now which is pretty great, um, mm-hmm. especially considering the circumstances. Yeah. Um, in your experience with the police department, you said call after call. Um, it seems pretty progressive for a department to look at this issue and, and try to take another approach to it when we've seen this conversation over the last couple of years. Um, the, the solution has been to kind of, well, mm-hmm. status quo. Yeah. So um, how would you say... Uh, your department is really looking at this and tackling this aside from the opioid abatement ad hoc but um, how are they approaching these issues a little bit differently now yeah well from the very beginning we started with being the first department in the state to get naloxone 
certified, which is the equivalent to Narcan. Okay, I was so, going to ask that. Is there a difference between those two yeah, medications? Just or? a matter of what, as a municipal government and as a police department, you can carry. Okay. We can carry naloxone, and our officers were all trained in it. Um, so everybody had the opportunity that if we responded to a call, we would be able to hopefully save lives right off. It started with the pressing point, both our deputy chief at the time and myself coming from other states, seeing what they were doing with their Narcan distribution across their departments. And working as the juvenile division coordinator for the department, I knew one of these days we were going to end up with a teen coming in mm-hmm. to access with this. So my concern was, how are we going to save this life when we respond to this call? Because as it was, our calls to calls to calls, we were just doing CPR and trying to keep people alive. We mm-hmm. weren't turning it around. We weren't using that technique of Narcan and Naloxone, mm-hmm. which reverses right. opiates. So our officers were able to become certified in Naloxone administration and from there, we just started looking at other options as well. One being me getting certified as a recovery support worker. So I was boots on the ground ready with the folks who actually started SOS. Mm-hmm. We all went through the, one of the first classes in the state to become recovery support workers. And from there, we just, little by little, we kept watching what was happening across the country, what other communities were trying and doing. And we just started to work with our community partners. So we worked with SOS. We worked with CAP. We worked with um, Bonfire over the years. We've worked a bunch of the different partners that originally were addressing this issue in our community. And we've just been at the table since trying how best to keep ahead of it. Um, Amy, Nicole mentioned teens and mm-hmm. your your position at Waypoint, you, yep. you're working predominantly with yep. that age group. So how, how do these issues affect your day-to-day? So, I mean, I think like to also like one of the other things, you know, that the police department has done when they talk about like community partners is also um, not arresting their way up, but being like faces and um they've like partnered with us on several things so they're not just seen as someone that's um punitive so i think that's like just a point i wanted to add to nicole's um and then for our young people when you look at the time frames that all of this stuff has happened the ground zero so even the young adults the youth and young adults i work with even if this is not like they're not in substance use um disorder like they're not addicted to opioids um this could this is like second slash like third generation right their parents could have been part of right like you know that's seven plus years ago that we decided to call it what it was but that's a 15 years like when you really like look back we've been dealing with this opioid crisis for some of the young people in my programs whole lives mm-hmm. their entire lives it yeah. start they don't know what it's like to live in a world without being in this opioid crisis so friends family parental figures so so many of our young people coming in maybe without that because the 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 all of these things have like just made their world so much harder um or they have um 
they 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 are mirroring what they're seeing um and so right like if that's how mom and dad get through or whatever this is how i do and we still don't have a lot of treatment options for minors right like so mental health and recovery is really still an 18 plus sort of world um and even that like even our like 18 to 24 year olds like long term right the age bracket is really difficult. So like finding a space where they all um, can really be like with their peers, age appropriate, um, with the right people is really, really hard. Like you have your peer support um, groups and works. And again, young people, um, it might not look the same if they're in the same group with a 60 70 year old or whatever um so that focus on the prevention piece you know survivors right survivors of living in, um in a, a home that's been negatively affected by substance use disorders and the opioids um all of those things like we need more that's like really like focused and geared um towards that so to prevent help survivors and to also like help young people that are in substance use that are chaotic let's like reduce the harm harm reduction is a super you know that's a word it's like a philosophy um we just need to like reduce harm till we can get people into recovery so there's a you said you mentioned that there's a shortage of services or support for that age group why do you think that is um I, I don't, I think there's a shortage for mental health um, with co-occurring disorders, period, like across the state. Like there's this really weird thing where like you either have a mental health issue or a substance use disorder. Right. So like you could, so like the young person who might not have the substance use disorder yet, but they might be right in those beginning phases, rehab doesn't that's not doesn't right exist. yet right so i think like in general we have a shortage across there's waiting lists everywhere and their brains are already so complicated as a youth and young adult and then adding all these things in it it's just like we have evidence across the country that shows we can do some things like we're trying um but there's just not enough resources and like humans you know to support um the work but i mean funding and resources are huge mm -hmm. great example of amy's point about how they always put them into silos mm -hmm. it's either mm -hmm. mental health or substance use literally right. there's a bill sitting on the table that's going to be discussed so it's 2023 mm -hmm. january of this wednesday they're looking at the fact that a master laid act can finally look and work with someone who has mental health mm -hmm. right that's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, yeah. We know they go hand in hand. As law enforcement, as what Amy right. does in her job, we see it every day. It's, it's, you come yeah. with one, you have the other. It's yeah. a given. Yeah. And the youth that we work with, I mean, I have kids that sit on my caseload, and they've been told 10 months before they can see a counselor. That's insanity. Yeah. Because by then, a lot of things can change. A lot yeah. can change. And you think about yeah. that. That's a very high-risk young person who's been referred to the police department, right? So we already know that the involvement with the police department's a risk factor for the young person. Mm -hmm. um, and even with that program pushing for it, 10 mm -hmm. months. 
yeah. 10 months. It's yeah. that's huge. That's that's really huge. It's a and then for some of these kids. Yeah. yeah. And then you yeah. think of the impulsivity like, oh, oh I I'm they're going to put that on their calendar for 10 months. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Seriously. Yes. Well, it's like, and you look back at your own memories from when you were that age in 10 months. I mean, it felt like three yeah. years, yeah. you know? So right. it's like a lot can happen. I mean, an entire school year goes by. School year does. In, in less does. than that. Yep. Or and about your that summer same in between. Yes. Yeah. A lot can happen in a summer. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. And I'm sure it does. It did for us, you know? Yep. <laughs> I'm sure I'm speaking for me. Yeah. Um, same. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Amy, you mentioned harm reduction. Mm -hmm. And for those that are hearing and reading about this term, I mean, I see it in the newspaper all the time, mm -hmm. but it's not always very clearly defined. And I think different organizations have different mm -hmm. definitions yes. of what that very looks like. understood mm -hmm. word. Or what yep. those services are. I think yep. it can vary from place to place. So tell, if for somebody like me that mm -hmm. has no idea where to start, just give me some idea of what that term means. So you're right. There is some stigma attached to it because a lot of people feel um, that they instantly go to needle exchanges, like right. the like right. And what harm reduction in its simplest form is, whatever risky behaviors that a person is taking, how do we reduce harm? Yeah. Right. Like how do we? So if we're not even using like um, substance use or opioids, if we go to you know, a young person, like you would tell your kid if they are going to learn to skateboard to put a helmet on, elbow pads and knee pads. Why? Because you know, you can't tell them not to do the skateboard. They're going to learn it, right? That's a developmental, but they might fall. That's a great analogy. Right? Yeah. And they might fall. And what happens? We have these things, mm -hmm. you know, same thing. If they do fall and they skin their knee or whatever, you put a band, you put some ointment on it, you put a band-aid on it, it, and we try to do something different the next time. Right. Um, and that's true for harm reduction. So it could be um, a needle exchange, a syringe exchange, um, where clean needles are being given out and um, used ones are being collected to yeah. be disposed of properly. Um, and why that matters because um, if you look at the, 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 the issues that we're having with substance use disorders, it's that people need to stay alive long enough to get into recovery. People may have to go into treatment um, or some form of like therapeutic setting multiple times. Um, and so if they get through that process and there's, um, have, you're very popular. I know, yeah. I know. It's almost like your phone rings all the time. <laughs> it does. It's so bad. <laughs> we'll cut um, it out in post. I know. Yeah, it's right. So horrible. We'll leave it in. Um, <laughs> so, um, we, we don't want someone to, that's already doing risky behaviors to add more, um, risks to it. Sure. So, um, Bloodborne, you know, blood diseases, hepatitis, H and AIDS and IVs, overdose, um, blowing up there. And the same thing, if you're sleeping outside, socks, winter boots, a, a, a tarp. Also, if you don't have frostbite, you know, all of these things affect their physical health. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got to like just help people get through the really 
really hard times in their life. Like I don't, I don't feel like anybody chooses to feel like that. Like that's. Um, yeah, I, I say that all. I've said yeah. it on the show before to other groups that no kid grows up with this in mind. Right. Nobody wants to no uh, be, be unsheltered or be. I don't be, want to be unsheltered. Yeah. and I hope that my life is full of trauma, and I hope yeah. everybody looks yeah. at me so stigmatizing like mm-hmm. oh i can't wait yeah. to walk down the street and have everybody you know it doesn't feel good yeah <clears throat> right. and and i think a lot of people drive by folks on the street or at the bus stop mm-hmm. or different places mm-hmm. and and have that sort of thought in their mind yeah. and uh but i think it's always important to remember right. that that's somebody's kid that never intended to be in that right. position or um, even a parent yeah or even a parent right absolutely Nicole. um which is why it's so important to humanize. Like, I hate the word junkie, addict, right? It's a person who's using substances, yeah. right? Like, it's a person with us who may be misusing substances because we we have we've got to get back to like these are people, these are humans, um, and really put them back on the on the radar as that and not just like society's problem Mm -hmm. which is why and we do have like a lot of awesome amazing rochester organizations which is why you know why we're doing this why we want people to know why we're taking the money we're getting from the opioid abatement and putting it into things that matter like long-term matters yeah so let's let's expound on that a little yeah. bit nicole tell me a little bit about uh, only because i've been listening to amy for so long that... yes, <laughs> amy's got all the answers <laughs> as if that's a bad thing right uh, yeah i will clear my desk and uh, she is the city councilor so i'll be out of here by the end of the day you notice uh, i let her talk all she wanted <laughs> right. Smart. Uh, I should listen to you more often. But tell me a little bit more about what the goals are of this committee and, and how some of that money may be spent in yes. the community. So they, they set up some pretty rigid parameters mm-hmm. or, or if you think about it, flexible for the fact that we're working with a bunch of partners within the community that have already been looking at this and addressing it. Yeah. So for us, it was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Prevention through recovery. So we're looking prevention, intervention, and recovery to address it and when we say prevention it's not just prevention that we're going to do in the schools where we're going to try to implement don't use drugs as we're preventing those who have been using drugs from continuing Mm -hmm. and that's a thought process that as law enforcement we've always struggled with trying to wrap our heads around in the harm reduction reduce their harm yeah it's it's to us the harm reduction piece when they explained it to me it was an aha moment Mm -hmm. it was that music cute Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know the thought process around preventing someone from harming themselves further so you can finally get them into help. Yeah, because mm-hmm. how do you get to help if you're still hurting yourself exactly. along the way? Mm-hmm. So harm yeah. redu- it makes more sense to me, harm reduction. Yeah. You, you got to keep them alive keep so them they alive can actually enough. get to that point where they yep. can make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Exactly. They have the hope. Yep. Again, these are our children. Exactly. You know? Or our parents, our or loved our ones. Or our parents. Yeah. It's, it is, these are somebody to someone. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the, the model kind of lined it out for us to utilize the funds. We can use any amount at any given point, but to really address each of these points within the system that we've all been working around and seeing how best we can implement what's not existing already, yeah. mm-hmm. which our community has been really fortunate. We're we, lucky. We've mm-hmm. been paying attention. Yeah. We've been working together, and we've been trying our best to pull every and any resource that's out there in mm-hmm. to utilize it. 
So we're looking at some projects that are being done in other communities, seeing if we can mirror up with those. And we're trying to get creative and, and look at some other options that maybe other communities haven't done yet, but we know from the research and the data, because everything, of course, has to be documented mm-hmm. when you have federal funds. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to implement a model and then watch and see how it impacts in the long term. Yeah. But yeah. that's the thought and process is that it's a long-term solution. We aren't going to put a Band-Aid on the dam. And you're looking at every work. possible option, not just one path. Yes. It's not like a just say no in the 80s no, where it was right. like it just didn't work. Research shows over the years that, you know, no, although very well-intentioned, work. it didn't actually mm-hmm. succeed very well. And actually right. the, the numbers went way up mm-hmm. through the roof. So, yep. um, Love Nancy Reagan, yeah. but... I know. She she did it because she right. tried. Yeah, <laughs> yep. absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's the grandmother in her. Yeah, and, and everybody's trying. <laughs> you know, that's the thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but Amy, you're a city councilor yes. um, in Ward 2. And mm-hmm. um, what do you... I can already see some of the misconceptions about this funding totally. coming up. And um, I, I, I just predict that there are going to be those yes. out there that see that there's money yeah. being spent and they don't quite understand that this is actually federal money mm-hmm. and not necessarily their tax dollars. So yeah. what would you say to somebody to kind of win them back over if they feel yeah. that something's being done that they don't necessarily want to participate in? Yeah, so that's um, that's great. And it is definitely a point that we want to make because um, this is the opioid. Uh, so we as Rochester, who went into a lawsuit, the state of New Hampshire, um, basically sued all of the all of the the opioid organizations, the manufacturers, the, manufacturers yeah. the people that made so much money on the destruction of our community mm-hmm. is what it ends up um, being. So, um, so we were part of the lawsuit. We're one of the because, um, like Nicole said, we were like the ground zero. Nicole and yeah. the police department did so much data in. Um, we are, um, part of that. And so we get a certain percentage of money from the settlements, but from now to the next 15 years, cause it will be a lot of money divided across a lot of people, yeah, but, right. um, we get stuff allotted to us and it comes out of, um, opioid abatement trust fund and i'm sure that we'll have listeners that want to know a little more um and they can look at the um rsa the section 126 a 83 for the state of new hampshire um and go on that in um 84 and 85 um a trust fund is established um, at the state level, so all the money that we get from the pharmaceutical companies goes into that. Some stays at the state, and some is shot down to the cities. Rochester, because of the big impact that we could prove happened here, um, gets a certain percentage that we must spend in the city on evidence-based, long-term solutions, ideas, programming, that we can bring back to opioid abatement. Um, And then we report that back to the state. So so this money has to be spent on opioid abatement, whether that's prevention at the school um, and or the recovery, somebody that's already in um, substance use, chaotic substance use, right? The whole um, circle, so to speak. And um, 
it's why we have not only three counselors, but we do have juvenile, you know, um, coordinator. Um, we have the schools. We have multiple people at the schools district. Um, uh, Michelle Foley, Nicole Dale, our LADAC, John from SOS. We have Pretty uh, wide New range. Hampshire yes. Harm Reduction Coalition. Yep. Stratford County Sober Public House. Health. Yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of like really amazing Rochester, um, Stratford County like folks at the table, and we're looking at like what do like what do we have? Where are we going? Mm -hmm. um, so we've met like three, four mm -hmm. times. I think so. Yeah. We started September. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, some potential funds. We're looking at something, uh, not potential, projects. Um, Dover's doing um, some additional pieces on keeping like their parks and community ways um, better, uh, just needles contained. So they're going to be putting drop some boxes. drop boxes yeah. yes. like that word. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, okay. In some of the places that they're seeing it. So we are looking at their proposal. We Which are... keeps it not only safe for whoever's <clears throat> using these needles, but anybody that's walking or using these trails, the community trails right. or whatever it might be. It's exactly. just an effort to keep everyone safer. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, and like how do we <clears throat> support that prevention or early detection at the school's um, having those all in there. So we've been doing all that data collection. We have a couple small things that we're thinking about and we're still just collecting like more ideas, um, more stuff. Yeah. And looking always yeah, for more ideas. And we'll do like, exactly. So any like community member, like listening to this, if they have an idea or a connection or whatever, they can like email, you know, my city email totally. Perfect. Um, because we want more, um, community input and we will be, um, doing some more community events to um, foster bringing in more um, community involvement. Um, we partner with the Rochester Mental Health Alliance. Yeah, it's just thinking yeah, uh, Good. Name yes. pending. We're not official, but um, which is another group similar, really focused on mental health. We know opioid um, is part of that. We don't want to silo it. We want, let's, Open. we're going to do it together. Open to um, yeah. So, yeah, so we're really hoping that this this as well as that mental health alliance is going to get more community involvement um and we are also working with which i think is really really key is we're going to be talking with the people who are currently using substances and are currently unsheltered or have family members um we want to be really intentional about making sure that they have a voice in what they need and not what we think they need. Um, well, and, and who better to get input from right. than yes. the people the, that are actually yeah. living it every day. What would have helped you and yeah. what could help you. Well, it's yeah. really easy for me or any of us to, mm -hmm. to assume what that lifestyle is like, but until you yeah. actually walk in those shoes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who better to get the input from. Yes. yes. Um, so we're going to be super intentional about that. Like the outreach teams, Nicole, our, our Rochester social worker, Aaron, like about yeah. really making sure that um, we're, we're asking the people that ultimately, um, this funding should go to yeah. help. 
These yeah. are the ones that are affected. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you clarified the funding aspect yes. of it because you're not spending tax no. dollars on this. This is no. money from Big yes. Pharma. These yep. are, yeah. you yeah. know, these so. are the people that yeah. should have been re- that are responsible for it. I yep. mean, right? Well, like when according all, to the courts, yeah, yeah. absolutely. The irony so. is, is that we've already spent the money, so to say, from our tax dollars in yeah. the time and yeah. effort yeah. and all of the work that's gone into this mm-hmm. over the years, trying to to just help everyone that's a great point because this has been going on for years and there was no funding back now yeah yeah Yeah. and if we can and if we and i'm i'm really excited about the people that we have contributing on the regular basis to this meeting like we have some really smart people at the table that um have a heart for like you know um people who use substances um or have been affected by it that um we can this could even help lower tax. You know what I'm saying? Like this, if we can like help get this out of, you know, the, the negative effects that have been happening, then ultimately we can focus the other money on other things because we are paying it already. Yeah. yeah. We're paying it with, you know, the ER calls Response. or the shelter, right? Yeah. Like those things. So this, it takes yeah. more than just one person to respond to any call. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we've been pouring this into it. And then even after we have, we just brought in Erin Nacino, yes. our community outreach liaison, and she is working with clients ongoing after. So we might get that initial call for service mm-hmm. where we're trying to save a life. Afterwards, she's still on scene weeks and months later, mm-hmm. as well as all of our other community partners like Waypoint and SOS really putting the time and energy into Mm -hmm. turning things around for these people. So we are still putting the money into this. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of finally big pharma seeing the cost that they Mm -hmm. created Mm -hmm. across the board in our community and others. So, Well, Nicole, we have talked a lot in the past about uh, prevention, and we've mentioned it a few times in this episode here, but part of prevention is education and you are somebody that uh, with your job you are going into the schools and in teaching classes based on the on this subject so tell me a little bit more about that and what how how you feel how successful that is and and um, what you're trying to do to educate people before they get into a situation where they need help like this very timely question because we just (laughs) finished up a week's class Last week, uh, Officer Jackson, he's a school resource officer, myself, teach ninth grade, and DeLuca is a school resource officer for the middle school, and he teaches as well for sixth grade. So we um, traditionally were doing third, sixth, and ninth grade teaching leads. It's law enforcement against drugs. And this is what replaced DARE, because DARE was not Mm evidence-based. So our state as a whole in law enforcement shifted over to using this program. It's a model that's based off of the Menendez Foundation. Uh, Too Good for Drugs is the curriculum and you can teach it K through 12. So a few years back, Michelle Halligan Foley, who was overseeing our Safe Schools Healthy Students grant, brought this curriculum into our district to be able to mirror up with what we were getting as law enforcement doing third, sixth, and ninth, but then you could have teachers in health classes and other other teachers provide it K through 12. So the kids were consistently seeing this message across the board mm-hmm. for the years. So being that we've been doing it for a couple of years, it's about five years that we've been doing this in the schools. Officer Jackson and I on Friday asked our ninth graders, because that's the class that we just finished up. It's a ninth grade health class. 
we stopped and we just had them have an on, honest conversation with us and we asked them because I mean how many of us remember sitting in Darren going god this is painful I, you know, I, I barely remember it. I remember yeah. having a lot of fun with Dare and like singing songs and doing a play or something. Mm-hmm, I yeah. think they showed mm-hmm. us a bag of weed, but it was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. remember anything How beyond that. How much you take that. out of it? Yeah. It was still that just say no. Yeah. Well, Rochester He's had listening, so. our chief as their Dare officer. So, yeah. <laughs> so the Leeds program, as. as Painful as it might be, because you're sitting in a classroom and you're paying attention, we asked the ninth graders, how many of you honestly feel that this is worthwhile? Was this a worthwhile week for you guys? And we were anticipating them to be like, this was boring, I hate it. And we actually ended up with over 50% of the class saying, it was it was okay. I got something, got something out of it. I yeah. and that's what we asked them. Did you get at least one thing out of it? And they yeah. all across the board said yes. Yeah. Anyone say and no or like get out one, of my classroom? Like, well, we had one student who did. She and everybody looked at her like, what? What are you, you doing? You got at least one thing, and she goes, well, I did get one thing. You know, they're cops, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> we were laughing. We were like, there's no consequence for these answers. Yeah. But we um we felt at least validated yeah. that we're not wasting our time that they're getting something out of it. And the key thing is, and and they said it, and we we absolutely address it every Monday morning when we start this class. This is going to be painful in moments, and mm-hmm. we just have to go with it because yeah. it's, it is a curriculum that you have to do to the T. So we literally are reading off of laminated cards. Yeah. That's how crazy this is. Yeah. So we tell them, just bear with us, and we're going to get through it. But there's some fun points that you're going to really get. So like Thursday, for example, is there – Across the board, every class loves Thursday. It's the day that we get to do a crime scene. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. They get to read a police report, read the witness statements, then see the crime scene photos, and then look at the lab results. And they have to come down through this process in figuring out what the substance was that the individual was on. Mm -hmm. So it's getting them to really think about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, and what's in their community that they're seeing. It's hands-on. Yeah. It is. And collaborative. Yeah. They're actually working with each other, they being are. encouraged to talk in class and, yeah. and figure this fun. out. Yeah. Right now. They enjoy it. participate in that. Like yeah. Thursdays? Like, what time? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It is. Yeah. So it's learning through the hands-on process that they all absolutely absorb, like mm-hmm. you were saying, yeah. songs, games, things like that. That's what that's sticks what in your I head. That's what I remembered, yeah. And that's what they're all getting. So they each read out their report afterwards about the drug and the signs and symptoms that they observed and what the witnesses came back with and the items, the paraphernalia that they saw on scene. So they're sharing with each other this information that's going to stick with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's been really important for us to be able to say, yeah, this is time well spent. They're walking away with at least one thing we know. That's good. And so that's what we're doing for our piece in the schools around prevention and education. But from there, I work every year. There's Red Ribbon Week. There's assemblies that we pull in. There's um, drug identification and awareness that I provide for staff Mm -hmm. in the building. There's a lot of stuff that we're putting into the educational component ongoing that keeps everyone aware of what can happen. We as a community suffered a devastating blow a few years back when we lost a teenager to an overdose that was eye-turning and our school district still i would say is reeling from it the fact that they lost a student and so staying ahead of that and being aware and knowing that you can't take it personally 
it's their journey that they have to walk and being there as trusted adults to help these kids through either their struggle or their family struggle mm-hmm. there's people that they can trust and rely on wow. so and when it comes to kids it's like one is yeah. too many it is you know? it's huge so we got to do something where at least we're trying yeah and know? that's why this money is going to be so key yeah mm-hmm. to be able to put stuff into our schools our community start from you know start early the youngest yeah. littlest ones that are being impacted by all of this all the way up because we do like amy said we see it generationally Unfortunately, we're on second or third generations of seeing this right now. And yeah. so being able to turn the tide on that is going to be huge. Our well, kids are coming out with a lot of trauma. And the mm-hmm. early the early prevention, uh, preventative education is so key because how many kids are walking into middle school with a vape in their pocket at this uh, point? Like, I mean, it's a, a big problem. Than, a lot, yeah, a more lot than they more, realize. A lot, a, a lot more yeah. Than, yeah. than we realize. Yeah. That's that's for sure. I so. have a lot of parents who are shocked when they hear the yeah. amount of cases that come out of and our middle school. And it's not just tobacco anymore. School. I mean, well, no. no, it's not. And like just in like just risky behaviors yeah. in general, right? Yeah. Like vape, uh, you know, edibles, mm-hmm. dr- you know, um, just risky stuff. Yeah. Well, we just saw literally over the holidays, we've lost not Stratford, Rochester specific, but. Our communities are all tied together. Yeah. And we have had several students over the last couple holidays die from alcohol. Mm-hmm. DUIs, really? the car accidents that happened, were alcohol-based. Yeah. So we're not only seeing them using substances, but we're back years ago mm-hmm. where we were seeing students driving drunk. Right on a regular basis. So really this effort and goes far beyond just opioids and this is going the rest. benefits will also yeah. reach mm-hmm. all yeah. all subjects basically. To pull your your yeah. dare statement yeah. Yeah. that you learned gateway drugs. Yeah. will well, lead to yeah. and a lot more. Right. And so like and I'm going to add this yeah trauma yes is mm-hmm. the gateway drug. Yes. Right? It's not someone someone doesn't wake up one day and say, "Oh look, there's a vape." Yeah. I'm having a great life. I'm going to take a vape. And then, and now I'm, do, right? That's like the gateway is trauma that we are not addressing. Like traumatic events are going to happen. No matter what happens, that's going to happen. COVID was traumatic. We Correct. all experienced Correct. And three so years of trauma. How are we reducing harm? How are we like helping people through the trauma so they don't want to self-medicate? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that in one of our meetings, which was funny. One of our members was like, had said something, you know, we were talking about marijuana. And I was like, yeah. well, I've done marijuana before and it never made me jump to heroin. It's the trauma. It's the it's trauma, trauma behind it. Right? Yeah. That's the common. It's not mm-hmm. like I tried this. I jumped to this. I tried this because something I, I needed something. It's yeah. it's self medication. I would have never even put that together, honestly. So yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So tell me more about these meetings when they occur. Is the public encouraged to Absolutely. attend? You mentioned yeah. input we encourage, and stuff. Encourage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Public come and attend. Yeah. The voting process is the key it's member. Literal, yeah. yeah. It's but. just like how and so. Um, we always do it um, before the first council meeting of the month. So mm-hmm. we meet at 430? 4.30. 4.30. Behind City in, Chambers. Yeah, okay. behind in the chambers. So right in City Hall, 31 Wakefield yep. Street, behind yep. Council Chambers. Yes. Yep. 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 Um, and, you know, we're just like in the conference room. So, you know, if we get like a number of 
we might move. Yeah. If we have we'll take to over city but chambers. We, yeah, exactly. But there's extra seats and yeah, people are encouraged. Totally. People, yeah. Like I said, like can email, you know, have conversations, which would be great. Um, and then like every three, because those aren't recorded because they're more like, they're, it's like right. a subcommittee. Yep. Right. Um, but then every like three months we do a, a minimum of, um, which will be tonight, actually tonight's meeting, we'll do that quick. Um, report out. Thank you. Yeah. Report out. Um, we do that like every three months. Yeah. So just to let the community know where you're at exactly. and what you're working and on. And the council, because exactly. the council, True. anything that as a subcommittee we put forward, the council has to approve. Yeah. Right. So right. as right. we're working out, you know what models we want to invest in. Yeah. They have to approve it. Yeah, yes. you make your case, then they approve it, and then you you move forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good exactly. To know. Yeah. So the more that we get them to understand what's going on, yeah, the easier this is going to be to get things well yeah, moving that's forward. Yeah. Why we need the public's participation mm-hmm. because we need to hear those stories, we need to yes. hear those point of views, yeah. and uh, hopefully dispel any misconceptions or you know yeah. that that we can you know, and sometimes that's done just through having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so they could anyone that's interested in joining this, they can email you, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Amy Malone at RochesterNH.gov. That sounds right. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that's all I have for you. I've I think oh. I've grilled you pretty good, but I want to ask you. I want to leave by trying to turn this conversation around. Some mm-hmm. some of the subject can it can feel a little inundating and a little mm-hmm. depressing mm-hmm. at times. So yeah. I wanted to ask you both separately. Um, Give me a story. Obviously, we're not looking for names or anything, but give me a story in the line of work that you do, a success story, someone that you have seen in the beginning was really struggling and Mm -hmm. you have seen them turn it around to find success and and it gives you hope every day. That's what I'm kind of looking for. We'll start Mm -hmm. with Amy if you, not to put you on the spot. No, I have a good one and I, yeah, I have a good one. So we had a young person, early 20s um pregnant in, in the woods um with significant um uh usage significant usage um it was so hard and after multiple like outreach attempts my coworkers got enough trust for them to support them in um the last like three and a half months of their pregnancy and um that that baby was born healthy completely healthy that's sorry yeah. Um, and, um, mom still has like some challenges. There will still be, but mom has also like completed multiple programs and has, um, had her longest piece of sobriety, um, in a really, really long time. And just seeing her like in person last week, you wouldn't even know that it was the same person from like nine months ago um Mm -hmm. and that really does come down to somebody went out to to the tent and and maternity uh recovery homes and programs um doing those things and um her son is gorgeous yeah 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 that's a great story yeah (laughs) yeah nicole anything that you want to share well the one that came to my mind right away ironically has touched both of our worlds (laughs) yeah so I actually all three of our worlds. Yeah, um, I think I know exactly what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah. To to know someone who comes from a background with trauma and their siblings are still struggling, heavily involved in, you know, the cycles that go through. You mm-hmm. see it. We've we've seen it as law enforcement where it's, you know, we're dealing with crack and cocaine and then we've got the heroin and now we're dealing mm-hmm. with meth. 
and literally this individual's family has gone through that cycle over the years of everything and they're now struggling with opiate addiction um this person is an amazing individual giving back in the community on a daily basis and it was a case that i had as a high schooler so they came to me and they did the walk they did the work and to see where this individual is today it's amazing it's Just, really impressive it is and we won't reveal who this person is no. um but um i was the at amount a, of lives that this person has touched we all seriously say. yeah yeah just well, keeps giving and back we were both at a meeting together and this is how i know who you're talking about because they stood up and said you were my teacher mm-hmm. and you you inspired yeah. me to do what i'm doing today and, it, yeah. and no joke it was everybody in the room you could have heard a pin drop and i uh, i mean when that individual stood up and said that story and and, and it was crediting you mm-hmm. at, i mean it's just like well obviously you found the right job yeah. at one point or another you know and the irony i never feel like i deserve any of that i don't want credit they do the walk yeah. they do the work oh, yeah. and they they have to go through it and I'm just there as a cheerleader. Well, he pretty much and... insisted on giving you the credit at that <laughs> meeting. So even if you didn't want it, it you weren't getting out of there easy. Yeah, and yeah. it was just so <laughs> impressive. And I, I, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. And that's why I wanted to end the, end the show on something like that because... Lives can change. Mm-hmm. Lives can change. And even one is enough to make you wake up mm-hmm. and keep coming in every yeah. day. And I think it's really easy, like I said before, to drive by people at the bus stop or walking down the street and think, you know, not in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. but... You know, if you just reach out to somebody, attend one of these meetings and talk to the people that are actually interacting with them every day on a real level, uh, it definitely changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. It did mine for sure. Mm-hmm. So thank you both yeah. for being on the thank show. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Well, I hope that you will come back at some point in the next few months and give us yeah. an update on what's going yeah, on definitely. and just keep the audience in, Absolutely. you know, yeah. abreast of what's going on and the successes, the milestones that you're hitting because yeah. uh, it's yeah. important work. and. Let's get it going. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks.